Master Bowman podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Today's episode is our May check-in. We're going to hit arrows, packs, and talk a bit about the draw. So stay tuned. Hey, Josh. Howdy, Baxter. How goes it, man? Good. Every every time we start recording the intro, I'm like, dang it. Okay, I'm going to think about something to say besides, hey. Yeah, hey, it's just, it is what it is at this point. <laughs> just gets things going. Um, uh, but today's right. is, is going to be a good check-in. I think a lot of folks are... It's funny. I feel like these things go in waves. I've had tons of buddies ask me about arrows, like which ones we're buying, what we're building right now. You know, I'm personally looking at a new pack, may or may not get that. I've got a lot of decisions around the draw. So there's some pretty cool things that we're thinking about that I feel like everyone I talk to is thinking about as well. So, yeah. So May, wow. We are, what's the countdown now? Oh, May, man, I June, yeah. July, August, four, four months. months. <laughs> 120 days weeks yeah that's bad holy yeah yeah Yeah. well if you're i mean the the way i always do this is think back to the end of january because that's the distance you were to elk season right end of january doesn't sound that far or long ago Um, end of january oh yeah 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 from when season ended yeah so we're getting close we're like in the red zone dude Maybe we just get the fitness thing out of the way and instead of sneaking it on people at the end, right? (laughs) We always do fitness is one of our top three things for the month, but Mm -hmm. I feel like, uh, you know, four months out is kind of, you're starting to get into the last bit. You can really make meaningful gains, right? Those two to three months of work is, is about the minimum to make a serious change in your fitness. Yeah. And, uh, right before we started recording, or not right before, but yeah, before we were recording back, she was like, yeah, Josh, I think it's about time you start lifting some weights. You're pretty skinny, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ah, you're right. You're right. I yeah. do. <laughs> well, people, people are going to be like, why you tell me strength isn't as important? But I, I do weight lift like two times a week. I got a weightlifting setup in my garage now, which is great. Ooh, I will um, be paying you so, a visit and uh, joining the Baxter uh, gym. Yeah, right. I do uh, four or five days cardio and endurance stuff but you know two days a week with some weightlifting just to keep the strength there it's helpful yeah so you got basically an archery shop and a gym now in your garage pretty much yeah <laughs> and uh firearms reloading fly tying i'm trying to think of what else yeah yeah there's there's a lot of stuff in the gym bike uh bike shop <laughs> that's awesome um so yeah you you've been pretty consistent after getting back from vacation on uh cardio four or five times a week and then you said weightlifting twice yeah exactly and i'm just yeah i feel like with weightlifting i'm just still building the base my thought on that is like you just build the strength now and then i almost don't weightlift that much at all the last month or two because it's Mm. you know you're not really building and the problem with weightlifting really for me is if you build up you're tearing down your muscles so your ability to do good cardio after that the day or two after that is always pretty bad right so it's really like I don't really, I'm plateauing in my weightlifting, if that makes sense at mm-hmm. best, if not, you know, tapering. Right. Because the worst thing you can do is go out and rip yourself hard in July and August and not really make endurance or cardio gain because you were weightlifting. So yeah. Cause you're that's quads, my personal you're, thing. I'm not saying it's for everybody, you. but uh, that's my deal. Yeah. 
Um, so when you, when you do your cardio or your weightlifting stuff, do you, are you someone who likes to mix it up or are you someone who just has sticks to like your few favorite fundamental things? Like, I haven't really figured that out for myself yet. Yeah. I'll make a, I'll make a plug. remember we're unsponsored for all the folks that are just tuning in. Like I don't, uh, there's this random company called Fitbod has a, uh, app called Fitbod mm -hmm. that has, uh, and it's AI for weightlifting, artificial intelligence for weightlifting. So basically, you tell it your fitness and your ability level, and it auto generates uh, workouts based on like the equipment you have, you know, how many times a week you want to do it, all those things. Mm -hmm. So it's just mindless. It, it does all the sets. It has a video to show you how to do each one. You oh, know, nice. Set and the weight, and you can change the weight and it adapts, or you can swap out the exercise. That's my little pitch. I love it because I just don't think I go in there, I fire up the app. You know, and it says, "Hey, your these muscles are at seventy-two percent fit. You know, restedness. These are at hundred. We're gonna hit all the hundreds and yada yada yada." Well, that's kind of interesting. I gotta check that out. Yeah, it's like sixty a year, so it's not bad. Um, or ten a month, something like that. But uh, anyway, that's been really. I've really liked that for weightlifting. I had a coach when I was racing mountain bikes in college, and you know, I kind of done it a lot. And I know my way around the weight room, and I've got all these plans and all my records of my what I lifted back in the day, but the amount of time that saves is so worth the money to me now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And then how about on the cardio side of things? Are you doing a lot of like steady state, like zone two slow stuff, or are you, do, do you do sprints? Do you do, do you mix it up with mountain biking? Like what, what do you do to keep it engaging or, or, or stay on? Yeah. For, uh, you know, I think the zones and stuff, the only place I really still pay attention to that is running. Mm -hmm. I do keep it pretty mellow. Um, you know, like my all out going nuts pace is like, you know, five fifty, but, if I'm so I'm training at like 8:30 pace running, mm. so pretty low, right? Yeah, um, just keeping it there and going longer and longer and longer is the game. But everything else, I'm not really trying to hit goals. I'm just go out, have fun, you know, sweat a bunch, and uh, you know, go a little further, a little harder than yesterday. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But a lot of mountain biking, a lot of a uh, few weighted packs this time of year. Um, lots of you know heavy baby lifts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, lots of got, got a pack for the little dude and he's like 20 pounds now. So I throw some other stuff in there and that's a perfect little, uh, little hike. So yeah, lots of different stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Our buddy D, uh, sent me a photo, I think of you with the baby pack on. It's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah uh, it's awesome. We're going to do a real backpacking trip or two this summer. So oh, like, nice. Yeah. With, the, with the baby? With the baby. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I've that's already awesome. kind of been stuffing all my ultralight gear in the bottom of that thing, seeing if it fits. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. That'll yeah. be awesome. Anyway. Um, yeah. Well, I feel like we hit fitness every time. So maybe we move on to the aero stuff so folks uh, don't get too bored. And if they're getting super excited about what they're building. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although good. I totally just mowed you over. I got to keep you accountable. Are you doing some stuff, Josh? <laughs> I uh, I was training really hard leading up to you know the Hawaii hunt, um, yep. and then yep. Hawaii was just great training there, just hiking yeah. a ton and stuff. And then I came back, uh, I went for a couple runs, and then I took like four four days off, mm -hmm. just completely off. Uh, I got the vaccine, I was a little tired, and I was like, you know, I'm just gonna take a few days. So I, I now I'm back on. I went for a run today. I'm in Albuquerque, so it's at elevation, so I definitely feel it. Nice, yeah. Um, so cardio side feeling pretty good. I think Hawaii was very beneficial. Um, the weights though, I got to do more weights. I, uh, 
I finally got a, a door in my Airbnb. I can put a, I put up the pull-up bar. So I just, oh, doing, there you go. like it's in the, it's bathroom door. So every time I go in the bathroom, I, I do do a few of those, yeah. but uh, I gotta, I gotta get some weights though. Or, yeah. or like you, you said, do, a 24 hour fitness membership, just go a couple times a week or something. Yeah. Yeah. If you could yeah. do pull-ups and, and box step-ups with weights, both of those, mm. you'd probably get 80% of it. You know, like, <laughs> most of the, the back and then the legs it's and hips and core so yeah yeah uh that's all good stuff yeah i'll get on it hopefully i won't right. procrastinate too long until i get to the baxter gym but yeah yeah well <laughs> you know <laughs> you know i'm gonna make you hurt if you do <laughs> oh man yeah yeah but yeah that's that's been me nice yeah. okay all right well the people have heard you they know come to you we're gonna be asking again um Awesome. Well, so arrows, you uh, you know, so a bunch of people reached out to me, friends, and like, hey, what what arrows you using? What do you, what should I build? What should we do? So maybe we talk about a few of those. But mm-hmm. first, you had pretty good success with your arrow, and I don't think we really talked about it in Hawaii. And you had good enough success. You're building the same thing over again. So maybe walk the people through what you're shooting and how well it worked. Yeah. So I shoot um the rampage uh black eagle rampage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rampages. Yeah, and I shoot the .0 ones. They're a little bit more expensive, but I, I, I figured like these are the one. Like this is pretty. I mean, yeah, and you can target argue shoot with those too as well, right? Like yeah, I target shaft, shoot. With yeah. Them. yeah, I, I, I do that for target archery for hunting. Uh, and then in Hawaii, it was great. I mean, I shot the shoulder blade of a axis doe went straight through both of them, and yeah, uh, yeah just oh, right awesome. out the other side. Uh, same with the goat went straight through the goat as well. Um, yeah, both shoulder blades. Both and that's, shoulder blades. For folks that aren't familiar, you pull what, like 28 inches, 28 and a half? Well, 20 and a half, yep. 28 and a half and 53 or 54 pounds you were shooting? I was 54, I think, in Hawaii, 54. but last year elk was like 56 was normally. But yeah, but a 54, 54 pounds with 28, you know, fairly normal draw length, 28 and a half. And that arrow is going through both shoulder blades. Granted, they're small animals. Um, but anyway, I was super jazzed. That's like the case for a well-built arrow and, and building heavy arrows, you know? Yeah, and they're heavy. I think they're 450 grain total, yeah, if I remember correctly. 460, something like something that. Something like that. Yeah, 125 yeah. grain tip. Yep. Um, yeah. And you're shooting the slick tricks, right? The viper tricks? Yep, slip trick, viper tricks. So the whole, the arrow, each arrow probably comes out to around 20 bucks. It's like... I was just talking to my dad about this. He's like, are you always expensive? And I was like, ah, they're not bad. They're like 20 bucks. But hopefully like if you shoot one in a year, like you're really happy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. he was like, oh, really? So yeah, that's that was my mindset. So yeah, I'm building the exact same thing. And uh, actually uh, for those listening, Baxter built me my first set of arrows sure way back did. when. And uh, the arrow that went through the doe and the goat is the exact arrow that Baxter built me. So it's, it's kind of cool to yeah. just circle back like that. Um, but this time I'll be building them on my own. So nice. that, that'll be kind of exciting. And we, uh, we're we definitely going to do an episode on arrow building here. So stay tuned if you're, if you're amped for that. Like shoot us a note if you're really urgent. But you, uh, like I kind of showed you and you learned from a few other folks, but it's really for people that are listening that haven't done it before, it's super easy and there's massive amount of benefits. Like what, um, what pieces do you do? What parts do you have a shop to Josh? You kind of do a cool hybrid system. Yeah. So I have, uh, I'm going to have the, I, I just bought the shafts. They arrived. Um, I, I get them uncut. So then, yeah, I'll have the shop cut it. 
So mm-hmm. you pay them a few bucks or whatever, whatever they charge it's, Oh, it's cheap, right? It's like a few dollars. Yeah. yeah they don't charge them. It takes like, it's super quick. So they, they, they cut it all. And then you told me about um, having it squared. Do you want to actually mm-hmm. describe to people what that means? Yeah. When they cut it, you know, it's never perfectly 90 degrees to the shaft, right? The tip where they cut it. And sometimes there'll even be little notches on it. And the problem with that is if you stick an insert in there and it hits a notch or it's crooked, then the broadhead will be crooked, right? And so squaring it is uh, taking a tool either designed specifically for it or kind of building one of your own. And just, you know, what you all do is I'll put silver Sharpie on the end of it there. And then you start, you know, rubbing it or grinding it off and you'll see where the silver Sharpie has been worn, worn away or where it hasn't. And when you get rid of all of it, you know that the tip of it is totally flat. And when it's totally flat, that means the insert hits it totally flat. Uh, and the broadhead is going to be very good alignment uh, most of the time. And so most bow shops and other places won't do that. It's one of the you know, 10 or 12 steps to have the building an arrow. And it's one of the ones you just won't get on off the shelf arrows that makes a big difference. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so a uh, visual for people is like, if you imagine a straw, and you have to just cut it flat straight like like your scissors coming in like a t versus if you cut it at an angle and then now you try to put the insert in it's just not going to work out yeah um so yeah i'm going to have the shop cut it and then i'm going to figure out the squaring i think i'm going to ask them to do it or if not yeah i don't know if they can't do it or they might have th- a tool you know they sometimes they'll have one in the back just like, hey can i borrow that real quick because it'll take you 10 minutes to do it is it almost um, like filing it or like sanding it down? Oh yeah. Yeah. The way it is, okay. you're just like literally spinning it on a piece of sandpaper stuck on a you know, block basically. Oh, and there's okay, okay. tools that G5 has one that are like 30 bucks that do it, 40 bucks, mm-hmm. but you know, they're 30 or 40 bucks and they're heavy and you got to store it somewhere. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So and I'm gonna have... Easton actually ships like a tiny little sandpaper disc with a lot, some of their arrows that they used to. Oh, whoa. And it's not going to be as accurate as the jig, but it's yeah. you know, much better than nothing. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, going to have the shop cut it, square it, hopefully. And then I bought an arrow spinner. Uh, it's pretty cheap. I think it was like 15 bucks on Amazon. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so, black, uh, oh, yeah. October Mountain products or something. I can't remember. I'll look it up while you're talking. <laughs> yeah, cool. So yeah, I got one of those. And then the idea for those who don't know, the arrow spinner is like, so that when I put, when I get the glue for the insert, I'll glue it, stick it into the arrow, wipe away some of the excess glue, and then spin it on the arrow spinner and just watch to see if that arrow wobbles at all. Um, And if it does, I just twist the uh, insert a little bit, spin it again until there's no wobble. So that way you know that arrow is going to fly straight. It's just, it's weird to me that it even just twisting the insert will actually smooth that out. But I don't know, must be some imbalance with the thread or I I don't know how it works. But yeah, the Pine Ridge. Um, the arrow spinner and there's a bunch of knockoffs of it on amazon of course <laughs> mm-hmm. so you could probably get one of the cheap ones if you want to roll the dice but pine ridge is kind of the standard uh arrow spinner but yeah people do really have a hard time believing that 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 even no matter how perfect the inserts milled or machined it's always going to be slightly off anyway so you have to put the exact insert in that arrow together and then just manually kind of rotate it until it's perfectly aligned and then you mark it and glue it or if you have slow setting glue you you know, you, you do that while you're gluing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's, that's kind of the other big one, I'd say those two things. And then using helical fletch, those three things right there will make your arrows infinitely more accurate than any amount of money you could throw at them. If you're just buying them off the shelf. Yeah. That's a good point about the fletch. Cause then, yeah, after I get the insert in, then I put the field tip in, 
then I get the wrap and I wrap the shaft at the bottom and mm-hmm. then use that Arizona Easy Fletch Mini for uh, fletching. Man, that thing's so easy to use. So easy. Yeah, you can probably fletch a whole batch of 12 in about 40 minutes with that thing. Oh, yeah, it's so easy. And then one pro tip actually is, you know, the wrap, uh, I had a lot of trouble getting it off initially, mm-hmm. like peeling away with my fingertips and stuff. I kept ripping. If you actually get a hairdryer and just mm-hmm. heat the wrap, the whole thing just peels off. Uh, or nice. you turn on the stove if it's not like if you don't have like a flame if you have one of those electric stoves just hold it over a few seconds heat it up and then just peel it off i yeah. tried doing it in boiling water but it was just kind of annoying so yeah your dryer or stove is, has worked well yeah you don't probably don't want to do that the arrow shaft too boiling water <laughs> <laughs> who knows yeah. but uh yeah no that's good and we'll we'll do a full in-depth one but it was uh you know, I always preach the heavier arrow for so many reasons right noise efficiency penetration yada yada we could go on for days but really cool to see that set of arrows work so well for you and i think it's really fun for you to have that level of confidence going into elk season where you're like dude if i like going through an elk shoulder blade maybe not but if you put it in the right spot it's probably going to go right through that elk yeah i'd say an axis shoulder blade is like an elk rib you know Mm. so it's gonna for sure blast through it if you shoot in the right spot yeah, I remember yours. I mean, what was the poundage? And yeah, what was your setup last year? And it went straight through. Yeah, know? no problem. Um, so I shoot. I'm shooting pretty heavy stuff. I'm shooting a like a 345 IBO bow. Because um, mm-hmm. I have like small cams on my PSE Carbon, so it's a fast bow. I'm shooting like 67 pounds in the 29 inch draw length. Mm-hmm. So I'm pushing some weight. So I'm shooting 550 grain arrows. Um, really heavy arrows. Uh, yeah. day sixes, HDs, 300 spines. Um, and I honestly, again, we're not sponsored, whatever. I can't say enough good stuff about those things. Um, I've had the same dozen I've been shooting for elk season for two years now. <laughs> the same dozen, <laughs> the same batch. Same dozen. I have only lost three of them ever. Nice. Um, and then the other one went through, or two of them have gone through elk. So I've retired them because I like to hang them on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, two of my four elk I've killed have been those arrows. And then, uh, I think I like broke one and I lost one the day I built them. I remember. So I'm down to like <laughs> six. So I'm going to be building a new set. And uh, I love tinkering and experimenting and trying new things, but those things have been so unbelievably durable. The outsert system and the shaft that I'm just like, I'm, I'm buying them again. Um, nice. So they've been good. And you know, like all micro diameter arrows, because yours are small diameter, you know, the 0.246 internal. These are like the 0.204. Both of them have an outsert system. So both of them need to have that treatment where you really align the outserts. Mm-hmm. But when you do that once, you're done and they're perfect. Yeah. So I'm I'm a huge fan of that. I don't I can't think of any reason I'd want to go lighter. I'd be fine with a 500, 525, but um there's just no way to build up that arrow without doing some funky stuff. So mm, gotcha. Yeah, I forgot to mention yeah, minor micro diameter or small diameter, I think minor, right? Yeah, small. Yeah. Yes. It's, uh Normal diameter, or you know, they just call them regular, and then then small, then micro. Got it. Um, there's one nano on on the market with hunting stuff, but yeah, we can just disregard that. <laughs> yeah, so it's small, and then a 350 spine, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, and then yeah, so that's so. Uh, D, we I built some arrows for him, and another buddy of mine's built some Easton mm-hmm. Axis five millimeters. So five millimeter is also a small diameter, four millimeter is a ah, micro diameter. Got it. Um, and they've built those and those have been really great. I mean, I spun a batch of the 0.025 ones and I think almost all of them were 0.01 or better to my naked eye. Really, really impressive. 
mm-hmm. um, specs on those. And those are very durable. That's a time-tested shaft built in the US. Great name. Um, they just don't really come with outsert systems. They had that little thing you push into this shaft called a hit insert. So it just it's just literally like a little piece of metal you push down in there and the arrow screws into that and the broadhead sits on the end of the carbon shaft. Hmm. Um, so it's unique and it's great because you don't have to spin it. You don't have to align it and all that sort oh, of wow. stuff, but you're also not going to get as heavy of an arrow. Hmm. Um, I know guys that buy the brass inserts, they sell those separately and they shove the aluminum one in there and then they sh- uh, shove the brass one down on top of it. So they've got two glued in there. <laughs> Whoa. You know, obviously the arrow only screws into the brass one, but just gives a little more weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are really great. And if guys are like, I don't want to spend 180 dozen for the day sixes or 190 or whatever it is, then the rampages or the Easton's would be great. Um, and they're just different weight, grain weight per inch too. So it's all about what kind of weight arrow you want to build. We use yeah. a magical, magical recipe of seven to 10 grains per pound of bow draw weight, right? That we talked about in our arrow building episode last year. If people, not arrow building, um, our best, best arrow for elk hunting episode last year. Folks want to go see that. Yeah. It's a uh, part nine in last year's hunt elk in 2020 series. Uh, yeah. Best arrow for elk hunting. I'll go and I'll link that in the description. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah. nothing, you know, nothing against other arrow companies and stuff. Those are just three great examples from three of the biggest names um, that we're shooting that are just nice and heavy and strong for elk hunting. Um, mm-hmm. So it's the Eastern Axis, Black Eagle, Rampage, and then yours is the... Day 6 HDs. Day 6 HDs. Got it. Yeah. One day when I'm rich and famous, maybe I'll shoot some Day 6 HDs. <laughs> <laughs> or or when you don't lose arrows anymore. One yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, take heart, Josh. If you went, if you're shooting guns, you'd go through $50 in ammo at a city. So if you true. lose two arrows, you're, you're breaking even. <laughs> that's um, a good way to put it. Good way to justify it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll do a build one here in a bit, but for guys that are getting all amped up that's it and you can always go to the website i've got the gear i use thing links and all that good stuff so yeah um, so then uh your pack yeah so i've this been messing pretty... around with this one for a bit yeah it's a big item i mean uh what what are, what's your thoughts around packs yeah. you've used pros cons of what you've experienced so far and what, what's got you looking yeah so if you were to talk to the hardcore you know deep elk expertise outdoorsmen almost none of them would bring up the k word kuyu right <laughs> because because they've you kind of alienated some of the hunters with their approach to business and yada 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 but um i own josh and i own both own kuyu packs um, i have one that's like four years old you've got one that's like a year old right you're mm-hmm. too old um and it's been great it's been good but two things for me one is it's not super comfortable uh Two, it's kind of starting to make noise. Mine was the first gen where they hadn't really figured out how to dampen the noise of them. Uh, and then three, mine's a 3,000 cubic inch pack, which is tiny. All right, most, yeah. Most packs uh, are kind of four or 5,000 for most guys um, that don't have ultralight gear. So the, they actually sold mine as like a day pack. Uh, he's wow. got the same frame as all the others, but it's just mini any. And that works really, really good. Um, early season when I'm solo, like when I don't really don't need that much clothing or when I'm going with a partner that I can split gear with. But mm-hmm. since I'm doing more solo stuff with the baby being around and Margaret looking after him and going later in the season, some of these times I'm like, I, it's fine the way it is. It works, but I'd rather a little bigger one. So all three of those things have me thinking about packs. 
uh, and what I'd want to do. I also think it'd be really fun to do a shootout, like order them all and then do a shootout. Um, I've got to somehow set up a business entity with what we're doing. So I'm not just doing that out of pocket. Uh, Cause they're like 600, you know, 400 to 600 bucks each. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there's, you have kind of looked at all the top folks, obviously Exo guys make a phenomenal pack. Kafaro makes a great one. Stone Glacier makes some, you know, Kafaro is known for really, really durable. Stone Glacier is known for ultra light. Um, Kuyu, I'm looking at those. And honestly, right now, it's probably the leader, ironically. Oh, wow. um, but they make some light ones, super stinking light ones. Um, Mystery Ranch, I'm not, you know, to be honest, I'm not as crazy about some of those. They're just fairly heavy for what you get. And they're not as modular as the others, but they make a good pack for sure. I know guys that have them. Um, there's some local Everly stock Idaho guys, but they don't really have a great frame system yet. Um, so basically each company I'm going through it, I'm looking at the size I want, and then I'm looking at some of the specs. Um, Cause my personal viewpoint on packs, it might be different than a guy who like Snyder or someone who's really an amazing hunter and hunts 60, 80, 90 days a year. Um, you know, I can plan on only packing out one to two animals a year, right? An elk mm-hmm. or a deer or you know something like that. And so for me, what matters is the how light the pack is, right? That is it is it comfortable and does it is it light? Those are kind of the two things I care about. Um, and so I'm looking at these different companies and looking at weights. And that was why I originally went with the Kuyu pack as well. Uh, it's like three pounds and 14 ounces or something stupid like that. They are so light and that carbon fiber stupid light, super light as well. And so it's really hard for me mentally to wrap my frame around or my frame, wrap my head around carrying. You know, these five, six, seven pound packs, uh, where I know, yes, they're going to be more comfortable when I pack an elk, but that's only one day out of the maybe month or two I hunt a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd probably rather not be carrying the two to three pounds uh, the rest of the time. So interesting. That's where I'm at. But um, the only way to know is to go with a lot of this gear. Is so I would, you know, thinking about ordering one of kind of each of these packs and trying them on. Um, just to see how they fit and taking them up this little hike behind my house each day just for a while and then doing a comparison and selling them off. Um, and there's no, you know, I think like bows we talked about before, there's no right answer. Everyone would own, otherwise everyone would own the same thing. It's just what's right for you. And my, we talked about my style. I'm ultra, ultra comfortable with backpacking after 30 years of it almost. Um, so I'm very, very light. And uh, so, yeah, pretty jazzed on the, the Kuyu one for now. Um, Stone Glacier one looks pretty good. There's a light Kafaru one, but I don't think it has a frame. So I'm not that into that one. And then I've just heard such great things about the Exos as far as being an all-around pack. And Steve and Co. are so nice on the podcast. And I've listened to that for years. Such a good podcast. Exo Mountain Gear Hunt Backcountry Podcast. So anyway, that's kind of where my head's at. So I'm thinking about it. Um, and the fortunate thing is like, I'm going to be totally fine if I go into season with the one I've got now. Uh, yeah i was pretty surprised when you brought up uh you might be upgrading and now i know like just the next the coming weeks and months of extensive research you're going to do so I would, it'd be interesting to do maybe an episode on packs uh, yeah if, if you end up ordering them all like that that would be cool um yeah and i'm late i mean i know we were telling people get them early i'm a little late i didn't really uh, i don't know why for me because because i already had a pack i'm like not worried about right, not having right. one so i'm like yeah maybe i'll look into this so if i can if i can get it to work and it all fits so they will do that but that's been my kind of biggest gear change up um because i was when i was looking at all my gear pulling it out this spring 
going for a turkey hunt, honestly, I was like, what's this, what's the weak link here? Like, what's the thing I would change? That's kind actually, of actually a bit. That's a great question to ask for those listening. Maybe when you go, when you're at home and you're going through your gear checklist, look at what that weak link is. And maybe that's the item you, you upgrade. Um, it yeah. actually reminds me of a, a, a finance podcast. I was personal finance podcast. I was listening to the other day mm. and the guy said, uh, they did studies on happiness and stuff. And people think that they get more happiness when they buy something that tries to add a positive to their life. But mm. when you buy that new shiny toys, you, you're happy for a little bit, but then it just goes right back to baseline. The things yeah. that actually make people happy is when they buy something that removes a negative from their life. So it kind of goes in line with what you're saying of like finding that weakest link. Cause if everything works, but then you have that one thing that's just super annoying all the time. If yeah. you replace that annoying thing, rather than upgrading that new shiny thing, you'll probably get more net like happiness from removing that negative. So. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. It's a really good point. And that's kind of what brought it up for me as I'm thinking about the other thing I didn't mention is that since it's a 3000 liter pack, it's always stuffed. So it's always kind of far away from my body. So I'm like, oh, I could get a little bigger one and then cinch it down. It'd be all close to my body. Oh, that makes sense, right? Most yeah. people don't have the willpower or the gear to do that. <laughs> just going <laughs> to fill whatever they've got. There's a joke in the backpacking world of like that. But yeah, the thought of that suspension that's not that comfortable, uh, the squeakies, you know, all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, it'd be great to get rid of that. Because you wear yeah. that thing 24-7, as you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd really do like the Kuyu one I have, but I, you know, the one negative, I mean, it's super light. I use it for normal backpacking trips. Uh, I'm looking mm-hmm. at it right now. I, I bring it, you know, with me, but, uh, I did notice it creaking a lot last year. It, okay. It, yeah, it's not, to, huh? yeah. It's not like, a. it's not loud when it like brushes against something. It's just sometimes when you're stalking or walking, it just creaks. I'm not sure what it is that's creaking on there. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, a lot of the time it's that the carbon frame, the pocket there, the little pockets that oh. the things go into, and you can get some powdered graphite at the hardware store and kind of put it in there hmm. and it works. But yeah, if it rains or, you know, so interesting, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mine's got blood all stained in it now. It's like, it's kind of cool, but it's kind of like, I need to watch that thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mine's got that too. <laughs> <laughs> Great tip for folks that at the end of the year, you know, get it out, get a sponge, put it out in the driveway, yeah. it, you know, get the, the rough side of that thing and have at it. Um, yeah. Worth doing. But yeah, so that's that. So yeah, we touched on arrows, packs, a couple of gear items, packs. a couple of tips there. We can do deep dive episodes later. Um, yep. And then you were, one other thing you were, you were thinking through as well as the, the draw, right? Oh yeah, the draw. Yeah. So we talked a lot about this in that episode, which I think was a great one. But it's, you know, for me personally, this year is not the year to go big. We just moved. We got the baby the first time. So I've basically done long shots and sadly haven't pulled any of them. You know, didn't get them out, didn't get the, uh, the big horn sheep tag <laughs> or anything. Um, but I'm thinking about, uh, you know, what do I want to do here in Idaho now that I'm here and what's, you know, what, what are the options? And so, you know, the, it'd probably be cool to walk people through that mindset of, you know, you can you can swing for the, there's so many different strategies, right? You can swing for the fences in archery season, but you know, honestly, we know you're going to be here with me and we know D's going to be here. It's going to be a great fall. And I don't really want to miss that. That's going to be awesome. So for the first time ever, I'm not swinging for fences on archery elk. I'm thinking, you know, what do I want to do? And I uh, spent a lot of time reading different tags. Uh, I'm not going to really, you know, talk about Idaho in specific, but some of the other ones have early season tags in August. You know, some of them have late season, November, December 
archery deals. Some of the rifle hunts are early. Um, some of the muzzleloader ones are a little later in October. So basically I'm looking at the draw in a way I've never looked at it before, which is, you know, what are the hunts that, uh, that don't conflict with archery season that I can still go to mm. um, and have a good shot at getting an elk um, or getting a really big elk if I want to go that way. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I've subscribed to everything, of course, right? But you know, so I'm trolling through Go Hunt. Um, Onyx just did a partnership with Hunting Fool, which is awesome. Uh, so I'm in there looking at their e-magazines, checking out those units. A lot of that stuff is really good to understand. Uh, Easton's Hunting Fool, all that stuff, because they almost always pick units. And it's a really good way for you to understand maybe where not to go. <laughs> Like everyone kind of flocks to those too. So you know what's going to be popular and hot. So it's, you know, I like to spend a lot of time reading the big game books of each state, uh, reading all those things. And you can find these little edge units or edge hunts that are good hunts, but they're not that popular. There's some weird time. Um, and I found a few that I'm really jazzed about. Uh, that I'm going to try to pull that would be a little different than archery season. So well, we've got Idaho left, California's left. Not that many people are doing that one. Um, but largely most of the draws are done at this point in time. So um, just a last, last ditch effort for folks that are trying to, to get it. And if they have a Idaho tag, you should definitely be in that draw. Yeah. An interesting point you brought up is uh, the idea of like when to go big or not. Cause that, that even though like it'd be awesome to, to get that tag, but you already know, like it'll be fun with uh, me around and with our buddy D around and, yeah, with don't the be situation modest, <laughs> with the situation we we got a pretty good situation this it's fall too deal. yeah uh so yeah 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 no i mean that, i think that's it and it's uh it's funny i get so many folks to reach out about the draw or people that talk to me about draw and how to set up those dodds for big elk success i'm like what we step back from it and be like well, why are you hunting elk um and if the answer is to just get a giant elk rack on the wall like, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that as long as you're going to eat the meat too and you know what you're doing. But uh, just go buy a landowner tag or somewhere, right? And like get a rifle and shoot it and put it on the wall and be done. Uh, but for me, like the, the things have stepped back and like, what do I really enjoy about this? It's the adventure, the camaraderie and the like pushing your own limits and kind of understanding yourself and Honestly, I know what caliber elk or where we're hunting and I know what would be a phenomenal one and I know that's possible and yeah, it's not going to be a 400 point elk for sure. It's, you know, at best it's going to be 330 class elk, but uh, that's a massive trophy for me. I would, I would want that 20 times more than a 460 elk I walked out and shot and owner tag somewhere. Um, right. Or not, if it's 460 like world record, I don't even know. Some monster. Um, but if you know, took down a giant six after you know learning that place inside and out and working my butt off, like that's that's awesome. So it's part of the reason I moved to a uh, opportunity state, not a trophy elk state. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, every yeah. year and have a great time. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh for me, I might be taking a cow to the taxidermies this this uh this fall. <laughs> Just the first elk. What? It's brown, it's down. <laughs> it's brown, it's down. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes, that's what you're saying. Um, actually, yeah, this well, is totally off topic, but if you were to say, like, what's your favorite thing about hunting? If there was one thing. Ooh. 
Way to spring that one on me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just, it could change. It could change just in this moment, you know, tonight, Monday night, you know, your Baxter your Monday night answer. It can always change. Yeah. 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 I would say I'm, I'm debating between two things in my head the pursuit. So, like the act of pursuing, like purpose, mm-hmm. um, a purpose that kind of drowns out everything else in life. You know, you're, you're in that moment, you're fully engaged, you're fully invested and you have a very well-defined and total purpose like that's that's amazing everyone wishes for that in relationships in work in so many other things um but the other one i'm debating in my head is is kind of a forever learning process right Mm. there's no no amount of books or research i can do online um, or analytics i can run or anything i can do that's ever gonna get even close to you know a day or two in the field and you've got your entire life you know, and I know guys that are been hunting 50 years and like, oh, I'm learning stuff every day. Uh, so I think those, those are the two things I'm going between. I'm kind of cheating here, <laughs> but uh, it, it'd be one of those two. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that is, that's awesome. I, I actually, when you were, I think for me, it's the pursuit. Uh, I was talking to mm-hmm. a couple guys in Hawaii and it's, it's just that when you're on that on the whole time, like you said, you got so much purpose and you're just not thinking about anything else. You're in that flow state, yep. solely focused on a single task and it just drowns out all the, the BS in the world, all the internal chatter, chatter, the times I'm like, Oh, why did I say that stupid thing? And like beating myself up, like all that yeah. stuff just goes away and it's, it's just nice. Um, yep. Yeah. And that's, I mean, getting back to the draw full circle here, it's, I mean, that's why I'm very, very happy hunting over the counter public land tags. Cause for me, the pursuit of that part of the pursuit and part of the fun, hopefully it shows to people listening to this podcast and other things we're doing is, is that kind of game of pursuit isn't just the elk. It's also finding the right spot. It's finding the best gear. It's, you know, like you're adding more difficulty, which makes the pursuit more intense Mm -hmm. um, versus like I said, if you just walk out into a field and you know, something hits a water hole every day and you just boom, boom. Um, again, I'm not trying to, you know, talk, talk it down with people like that. I don't, nothing wrong. I'm just saying for me, um, that's why I like it so much. So I do the draw and I would love to shoot a big elk someday who doesn't, if they're really being honest, it'd be great. But, uh, I'm happy as a, happy as a lark hunting over the counter every fall. Happy as a lark. 120 days to go. <laughs> wow. Oh, so close. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can't wait. Not bad. Yeah. Anything else we I missed or should cover? No, I mean, I think that's May. I think we're, we're here. It's really getting pretty close. I mean, in June, this year has been pretty dry in the West. So honestly, June, early July, you could even start scouting. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. Um, that'll be fun so to report pretty much back there. On. Yeah. 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 Cool. So yeah, that's our May check-in. Um, if you guys like these, let us know, you know, leave us a review or, or give us a five-star rating on Apple or wherever you live, listen to your podcast. Uh, we'll keep doing these as we count down. Um, but we got some fun stuff coming up too. We'll be doing like an elk hunt elk in 2021 crash course. We'll be having some fun guests on as well, doing some last minute archery tips. So lots of good stuff coming up for the podcast. So stay tuned and, uh, thanks for listening.